Hey everyone, we're going live. The Yankees made a big signing, and now Baltimore, guess what? You're on the clock. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, let me show you my lower third, where I'm called Sully. I have been a baseball podcaster for a long time, well over a decade now, and this is my sixth season. It's unbelievable to me, my sixth season here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us at Locked On MLB pods on Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now and on Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Please, please subscribe here on YouTube. Tell people what you think about the show. If you agree with me, if you don't agree with me, hopefully you find it entertaining, even if you don't agree with me, because here's the deal. I know you're not going to agree with everything I have to say. I don't agree with everything I have to say. But if you listen to me all the time, make sure to put down that hashtag everyday sully today's episode is brought to you by what is it who are we brought to today by i'll tell you in just a second sometimes i don't always know today's podcast is brought to you by oh it's game time i'll be darned it's been a while since we've had a game time uh episode uh game time if you want to be there for the big events not just for baseball, not just for football, but for all the events. Game time is where you go. Downtown, the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code LOCKDOWN for $20 off of your first purchase. A little panic there. You don't see what's happening here. My screens from Minority Report uh, just shut down. I mean, I couldn't see which one I was supposed to read. But there you go. It is Game Time, an app that I indeed use, and I probably will use as I'm going to go to several baseball games coming up this upcoming season. But there'll probably other be big events and everything like that that I'm going to go to and have a lot of fun. Hey, a uh, lot of nice comments I got for yesterday's crossover with Jeff Carr from Lockdown Reds. I know it's odd that there was big Cubs news, and I brought in some from Lockdown Reds. But the idea that at least I want to go for is I want to talk about the National League Central. Because, hey, why not? Uh, the trivia question that I threw out there was regarding the number one picks. The Cincinnati Reds have never had the number one overall pick, but three times they've had the number three overall pick. And they have been, uh, Scott Campbell got this correct. Hunter Green, their current ace, Nick Senzel, and Kurt Stillwell. Kurt Stillwell was their big shortstop prospect that they had in the mid 1980s and he was supposed to be the big shortstop of the future it just so happens they drafted later they drafted barry larkin who not only became their shortstop of the future but became a hall of famer and really one of the great cincinnati reds of all time and kurt stillwell was traded to the kansas city royals and they brought in danny jackson who was a significant pitcher 
when they won the World Series in 1990. So there you go. Good job there, Scott Campbell. Uh, let's go over the piece of news because this one piece of news has become kind of a uh, a little bit of a snowball for what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about pitching, 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 pitching. And that's apparently what you need to win games. At least that's what I've been hearing my whole life. And uh, I've been seeing my whole life. But let's go over what the big piece of news is. The big piece of news revolves around the New York Yankees. And the Yankees made a big, big signing today. The signing was for Marcus Stroman. Now, they, they made another signing as well. They they signed uh, Juan Soto, and uh, he is going to avoid arbitration. They settled on a $31 million salary for the 2024 season. Uh, he still isn't signed long-term with the Yankees. I'm pretty sure they're going to try to do something long-term. Now, someone who is not being signed to a long-term deal is right-handed pitcher Marcus Stroman, who signed a two-year deal to add some depth to the Yankees rotation, former Blue Jay, former Met. Remember, he was a Met for about an hour and a half. Uh, he's pitched the last few seasons with the Chicago Cubs. He is from Medford, New York. He has had some uh, harsh words about the New York Yankees in the past, especially when he was a member of Toronto. But all of those harsh words can go away when someone throws millions of dollars at you. When someone comes up and offers you 37 million tomatoes, guess what? A lot of those harsh words can go away. I have said some harsh words about the Yankees over the years. You hand me $37 million, and mwah, I am the biggest Yankee fan you will ever meet. And, and I want that you to test that theory, please. Uh, Stroman signed a two-year deal. He's 33 years old, and he is uh, he's, he's had a fine career. He has had moments where he has been a bit of a workhorse, 200-some-odd inning workhorse, during his days with the Toronto Blue Jays, when the Blue Jays, uh, yeah, he was part of uh, the Blue Jay team in 2016 that made it all the way to the League Championship Series before losing to the uh, to the Cleveland Indians. He actually pitched in 2015 uh, postseason when the year where I, I thought they were going to beat Kansas City. They didn't. I really didn't think they were going to beat Cleveland that year, and they didn't. Uh, he was part of the Mets team that fell apart in 2021 and was a big part of the Royals team, uh, not the Royals team, I'm sorry, the Cubs team last year that fell just short of Arizona. We all know what happened there. I found it interesting that the Cubs didn't bring him back. I felt he was a good fit in Chicago, but I think he's going to be a fine fit with the Yankees. The Yankee, Remember, they're not asking him to be the ace. The Yankees have one of the few real aces in baseball in Garrett Cole. And the Yankees, despite having a disappointing season last year and having so many injuries to their pitching staff, their problem wasn't their pitching for the most part. Their problem was their anemic offense. Now, there were some points last year where the pitching was a catastrophe. There were some points last year where the bullpen was falling apart. But the biggest problem throughout the year for the Yankees last year was their offense. And they addressed that to a degree, certainly by bringing in Juan Soto, an MVP candidate, to have him bat alongside Aaron Judge. And we all saw once Aaron Judge got hurt, the team absolutely spiraled. They needed to have someone in that lineup to give them some depth. Well, now you take a look at the team, and Garrett Cole has been a fine free agent signing. He's been a Cy Young contender left and right. 
He won the Cy Young Award last year. He's a fine pitcher. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And, you know, you know the best pitcher in baseball when healthy is Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom's not been healthy. Garrett Cole right now is certainly the best pitcher in the American League. Uh, Clark Schmidt is a decent pitcher. I, I King, I felt, was going to be a, a good part of the squad. But, you know, we, that's not going to happen. Uh, Rodon, you could not have had a worse first year in New York than Carlos Rodon. Uh, Nestor Cortez, who was a terrific pitcher for the Yankees a few years ago, uh, he was sidelined with injuries. If Rodon is back and Cortez is back, you have Cole, Cortez, Rodon, Schmidt, uh, and Stroman. That's not a bad starting rotation. It's not going to make anyone forget about the 1995 Atlanta Braves, but it's it's a solid rotation and should put them in a position to win more games than not. So look, I've been I've been very critical of the Yankees management, but this is a smart move. This is not a giant move. This is not a a spectacular move. And give the Yankees credit. Apparently they're in talks. At least they're they're kicking the tires on Blake Snell. If they had Blake Snell and Marcus Stroman, they have but in and the possibility of having both Cy Young Award winners pitching for the Yankees, then I think you have to consider this to be a successful offseason. No matter what, I think the Yankees do need to bring in another starting pitcher, at least one more starting pitcher, or at least one more big piece to their to their pitching staff. And I, I think that they'll make improvement. As bad as last year was for the Yankees, they won 82 games. It's not like they're a hundred loss team. They were a cut there were a 99 win team in 2022. They were an 82 win team last year. I don't think they were as good as the 99 win team, and I don't think they were as bad as the 82 win team. I think, and I think the talent has shown this, that they are a high 80, low 90 win team. And improving their pitching staff will get them there. Now, of course, there's the possibility, as Cole is not a spring chicken anymore, Stroman is not a spring chicken anymore. Rodon has been an injury disaster last year. Cortez has been up and down. There is a strong possibility that if they all fall apart, then this could be another disastrous year for the pitching staff. This could be a year where they don't make the playoffs again. But I gotta, I have, I've been as critical as I've been of the Yankees. I have to give credit when credit is due. And so this was a smart move. Now, lest we forget, the Yankees are not the defending division champions. They're not. They didn't even make the playoffs last year. The Rays are not the defending division champions. And the defending division champions who happen, I don't know if you're aware of this, who happen to play in Baltimore, are the team that I'm taking a good long look at in regards to this signing and what they should be doing. Let's talk a little bit about our friends over at Game Time. Look at, hey, for my friends in Australia, that's my first look at of today. I am looking forward to buying all sorts of baseball tickets. I'm going to see games in San Francisco. I'm going to try to go see the game in Boston this year. I'm certainly going to go to L.A. I'm certainly going to go to Anaheim. I'm certainly going to go to Oakland. Now, Oakland tickets, eh, they're pretty easy to come by. But some of those other ones I just mentioned are pretty hot tickets. So how am I going to get them? I'm going to use game time. 
You shouldn't have to worry about when you buy tickets to the next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And they got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, view from the seats, and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I used game time last year on Mother's Day at Dodgers Stadium, which was a packed house, Dodgers, Padres, no problem. I got to see the seats. I got to see the view. And it was fantastic and great deals, too. So the Game Time app is so easy to use. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind when you're making your purchase. See the view from the seats before you buy. All in prices show you the total up front. So you know you're getting a great deal before you check out and you can buy your tickets with two taps. Boom, boom. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N. That's locked on for 20 bucks off. Download the Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices. Guess what? They're guaranteed. Another quick reminder that Locked On has begun. The first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Day is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, Dylan Cease is still out there. Uh and Montgomery is still out there. Snell is still out there. We're seeing there's some quality pitchers still out there. Another team that's out there are the Baltimore Orioles, a 100-win team that I lambasted at the trade deadline for not going in and really trying to improve their starting pitching staff. And some people got on me for it, but I turned out to be, and everyone say it with me, 100% right. We all saw that they were a good team. We all saw that they were a playoff team last year, and we all saw that they had a weak starting rotation. And so what happened? They went to the postseason, and the Rangers beat them like a rented drum and smacked their starting pitching around. And they were eliminated unceremoniously by the team that went on to win the World Series. If they improved their starting pitching just a little bit, they would have at least put up a fight, at least maybe won a game. Instead, they joined that ignominious, a word that I have a hard time pronouncing, group of teams that won 100 games in the regular season only to be swept in the postseason without winning a single game. Now, Baltimore is in a position, and I think a strange position. They're very talented. They got a ton of talent on the team. They have glaring obvious need to improve their pitching staff. And they also have an outrageously deep farm system. That was the reason why I got on them last year. They had the capital to make the trade. And while I made the hyperbolic statement, which was all the players on their top 20 prospects have to come through in order for them to justify that off, that uh, that trade deadline that they botched, I'm actually kind of serious. If you're going to keep all of them, then they all better come through. If you're going to keep all of them, then you better make sure that this is the team that is going to emerge here. Now, 
we're now looking at Dylan Cease, who's a fine pitcher, who I think would be an absolute perfect fit in the Orioles organization right now. Put him right in there. Now, I'm not saying trade Jackson Holiday, okay? But you have uh, Heston Kerstad. Uh, uh, if I mispronounce that, I'm sorry. When you put the K and the G together, you know, it, 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 you know, it, 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 it throws me off my it throws me off my game. Or Colton Cowser, or Kobe Mayo, or or Connor Norby, or Jory, Joey Ortiz. These are all players who are major league ready currently in their farm system. If you put together some package among them, you don't have to trade all of them. Obviously, you, you know, obviously you want to have Jackson Holiday be the centerpiece for it. But you have so many players in their system that there's not enough spots for them on the major league roster. So if you have a team like the White Sox who are looking to deal away a Dylan Cease, and you've got a wide open rotation, there you go. But here's something I don't understand, and someone's got to explain this to me. Snell, Montgomery, you sign those two players, put them in the rotation, you suddenly have filled your starting pitching staff with two quality arms and still have all of that trade capital of all those prospects there to fill in gaps that are inevitably going to happen when injuries and everything take place. You know, I mean, Kimbrell, they signed Kimbrell. I, I don't trust Kimbrell any further than I can throw him. But you need that depth of the rotation. You need that depth of the, in the pitching staff. And once again, you have a vulnerable Red Sox team who seems to be waiting for 2025. You're not sure what you have with Toronto, and I don't trust their manager. Tampa Bay is, you know Tampa Bay is going to be good, but they're always somewhat in flux. And the Yankees are improving. Again, the other reason why I got mad at them at the trade deadline is you had an American League East where you didn't have to worry about the Red Sox or the Yankees, and what are you doing sitting on your hands? But you have two quality pitchers out there. They can sign both of them and be the overwhelming favorite to win the American League East. And before you jump down my throat about that, saying, well, they're not a big spending team. They're not a big spending team. First of all, I'm sorry. Throw whatever you want at me. Baltimore should be a market, should be an East Coast market that has a very deep fan base, deep-rooted fan base. I'm not saying they have the as deep as pockets as Boston or New York, but that should be a pretty large region, especially with the Nationals about to stink. There's a lot of people live in that region. A lot of people live in that area. And the Nationals are not going to contend this year. They're not. And they, the Orioles, who were the team of Washington, D.C. for generations, could recapture some of that fan base, could recapture all of that and bring people back to one of the most glorious ballparks in baseball. And here's another thing. Do you know where, at least right now, the Orioles rank in terms of payrolls? A team that won 100 games last year in a market with a deep fan base and, and an East Coast team? They rank 29th out of 30th. Only the A's, only the A's, who are not even attempting to put a watchable product on the field have a lower payroll at this point, and they're only $3 million behind the Orioles. 
If the A's signed a modest free agent, the Orioles would have the lowest payroll in baseball right now. And this is not a team that's a 100-loss team that's saying, ah, we're we're tanking. This is a 100-win team coming off a playoff appearance. I'm not saying outspend the Dodgers. But how about outspending the Pirates? I'm not saying outspend the Yankees or Red Sox or Mets. But I don't know. Leapfrog the Rays? The Marlins? Some of the other notoriously spendthrift teams? Maybe double the A's payroll? How about that? Do you know what? If the Orioles raise their payroll to mediocrity, to the midpoint, then this would be a team that I think would be an overwhelming pennant fake. And yeah, you do have to spend some money. You do. If you have a franchise and you have a team, this is why this is why I was praying that the Orioles get new a new management because obviously the Angels don't want to pay any money. They're in a jewel ballpark, a great fan base, should be a cash cow, and they're acting like, well, we're in mid-rebuilding mode. No, you're not. You're a defending division champion with a 100-win team. You can go to the World Series for the first time since Return of the Jedi was in the theaters. Back when there was only one Indiana Jones movie. Back when I could say the sentence, hey, have you heard Thriller? I hear it's a good new album. Back when you could say, well, next year, Ronald Reagan's running for re-election. Or I could say, hey, I just celebrated my 11th birthday. I'm about to turn 52. So maybe try to win a pennant there. It's sitting right there. Get your team to a mediocre payroll, and then you'll be talking. But there's another way some of these teams could go on and really kind of, I don't know, go against the grain and maybe go against conventional wisdom and maybe create some dynasties. What are we talking about now? We are going to be bringing on FanDuel. FanDuel, the official, which, I'm sorry, everything's closing up here. It is the official partner of the NFL. The NFL playoffs are starting, uh, I think, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. And... We're going to start. We're going to see some great matchups here, and I'm in the LA area, and people are talking about the Rams versus the Lions. Who knows what's going to be going on there? Is this going to be the year for the Bills? Is this going to be the year for the Dolphins? I don't know. Neither do you, but you can put your money right there in FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed if you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. And there's so many different ways to bet, like live, same-game parlays, find bets with the new Explore tab, and make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to parlay your parlay parlays. Best way to get popular parlays. Say popular parlays three times fast. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and be the first one to cash in this NFL playoff season. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. We're doing a live one here. We got a couple of uh let's see who we got in the comments here. Uh Uncle Ted, who I don't think is my brother, uh 
Uncle Ted is a Red Sox fan, and uh, let's see what he has to say. Uh, Boston all day. Tristan Cassis and Devers will ball, plus Cutter Crawford and Bello don't sleep on the Red Sox. Hey, uh, I'm a lifelong, I'm a native New Englander, lifelong Red Sox fan. Uh, I like some of the stuff the Red Sox are doing, and I think that they're trying their best to develop uh, a good young team. And hopefully they'll go on a spending spree for the 2025 season. I have no problem with them using 2024 as a transition year. So we'll see, Uncle Ted. We'll see where things go. But I'll tell you something. Uh, I, go Talking with some of the, our fellow Locked On fans, Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects and Jeff Snyder were having a conversation regarding a trade that was made between the Cubs and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's it was a trade that brought in a couple of young players to the Dodgers organization, including uh, Jackson Ferris, who's a pitcher. And Jeff Snyder and Lindsay were talking about Jackson Ferris and was trying to get, you know, Lindsay is a, a the host of Locked On MLB Prospects, and he is a minor league expert. And he said that Jackson Ferris got babied too much, never finished three innings until last July. They took the reins off, and he may be a quality pitching prospect down the line. But I've got to think that the organization that goes against the grain of the intense pitch counts, of babying arms, of having no one go more than five innings. The franchise that does that, that starts to develop pitchers to go six, seven innings, to try to build up their arms so that they can, that they're not in a situation where they're never going more than four innings in the minor leagues and then getting up to the major leagues. And we're stunned that they're being taken out after the fifth because they have to save their arm. They have to save their arm. They have to save their arm. And, we're seeing that that doesn't really work. We're seeing we're in an age where pitchers don't throw 200 innings. The idea of a couple of times in last year's World Series, like there was one point Bruce Bochy let his starting pitcher go in the sixth, and everyone was like clutching their pearls. I'm like, well, what? I don't understand. And of course, it turned out to be a smart idea that you stretched them out a little bit. You didn't have to go to a, a weary, beleaguered bullpen when you didn't have to. And we're seeing that the the number of pitches that are thrown is being counted in a way as if each pitch is thrown, uh, each pitch is created equally, pitch counts being made, which I understand you're trying not to blow a pitcher's arm out, but shouldn't you also build up its strength? I think you see that pitchers, if they are taught how to throw six innings and maybe you're not gassing at 110 miles an hour or whatever it is you learn how to pitch you learn how to hit the corners you learn how to pitch intelligently and you stretch them out so you can have a pitcher go five six seven innings instead of having things like openers and having things like pitchers only going four or five innings this isn't old man sullivan talking here this is someone who misses an element of the game and seeing it slipping away, one of the unique elements of baseball, one of the things that makes it the greatest sport, in my opinion, is the pitching rotation. And if we start to eliminate what makes the pitching rotation so unique in baseball, we're taking away something about the game 
that quite frankly separates it from other sports. When you have two football teams matching up, you know who's going to be on the field, say for injuries or everything, but this, start, this, this person starts, this person starts. And when you have two starting fives in the NBA, you're not going to have a rotation. You know if the Celtics are going to play the Timberwolves or whomever, you know who's going to be starting. But in baseball, it's dependent on the starting pitcher, or at least was for as long as I can remember. That's why you check the newspaper. Who's starting today? You could have a terrific team going against an awful team. But if that awful team is throwing their ace and that terrific team is throwing their number four or five starter, then suddenly the awful team has an advantage. Think about those terrible Mariner teams from the early 2010s that every single day Felix Hernandez was pitching. Suddenly you had to favor the Mariners in that. Or when you had moments where the Braves had their their, their trio of Hall of Famers, but if they got to their number five starter and the Expos were starting Pedro Martinez, suddenly you had to favor the Expos in that game. But what difference does it make if you have a starting pitcher out of the game by the third? And we sit back and wonder, gee whiz, I wonder why our bullpens are all injured by the time you get to the postseason. It's because you're using them six, seven times a game. You know, in the 2021 postseason, American League starting pitchers average fewer than four innings per start. And openers and everything, I, I understand the theory behind that. But an opener should be an emergency situation or a way to deal with your number five spot, not a regular part in the rotation. And why is this done? Why are teams not developing starting pitchers to go become workhorses? And why are they turning towards openers? It has nothing to do with sabermetrics. It has nothing to do with pitch counts. It has nothing to do with studies of their arm. It all has to do with economics. Because workhorse pitchers are the most expensive players. So create a system where you don't need them. Create a system where you don't need to have someone going six, seven innings to start because that's too expensive. You save money that way. Record revenues are going on, and you're destroying the concept of a pitching rotation to save some money. I'm not saying blow out everyone's arms like Billy Martin did when he was the manager of the A's in the early 80s. I'm not saying be Grady Little and have Pedro Martinez stay on the mound until his arm was dangling by a tendon. But there has to be a gray area between Grady Little not taking out uh, Pedro Martinez and Kevin Cash taking out Blake Snell when he's throwing a masterpiece in the World Series because, well, we can't do it second time through the order, so there you go, and then you blow the World Series. There will be a team out there that figures this out and realizes that building up your pitchers through the farm and where you're not always just trying to get your 108 mile an hour fastball pitchers but you got pitchers who can work the work the corners of the plate who can work intelligently who aren't just you know blazing fastballs and blowing their arms out but instead get more junk ball pitchers get more people with control of their curves and their changeups and everything 
working the, you know, expanding the zone and getting hitters to chase, the more the Greg Maddoxes of the world or more knuckleballers and building that up through their system where you create a rotation and a mentality and a, and a, and almost a factory mentality of how you develop your pitchers the way you had with the Baltimore Orioles who did that from the farm all the way to the major leagues. You saw that it was a system. You're going to go deeper into games. And the deeper a rotation goes into the game, the less the bullpen is worn out. And the stronger the bullpen you have, the more you can rely on your rotation. I'm not saying everyone go nine, but create a system, the franchise that figures that out, of saying from the time we draft them, we're not going to baby them to the point where they get to the major leagues. What do you mean I'm supposed to throw a fourth inning? I swear this is not me being grumpy. This is me trying to save the sport from itself. And teams will be able to develop fun, great pitching staffs. Because isn't that part of the appeal of the game? This ace going up against that ace? This ace facing their best hitter? What difference does that make if every pitcher is being removed after the fifth? Listen to your pal, Sully. Go against the grain and develop workhorses. Which brings me to today's trivia question. Who was the last pitcher to throw a complete game victory in a postseason series clinching game? I'm not talking about the wild card game. That answers Madison Bumgarner. Who was the last pitcher to throw in a series a complete game clinching victory? Write your answers down here on the YouTubes. And follow us on Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And don't forget to check out Lockdown Sports Today, which is the first 24 hours, seven days a week sports streaming channel on YouTube. Check that out and subscribe. Talking about the improved Yankee rotation, why the Orioles need to improve theirs, and some team better learn how to develop their starting pitching and love their life from then on. This has been Locked on MLB. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.